You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Hour two on this Wednesday, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. We hear from Aaron Rodgers coming up. Draymond Green, an interesting reaction to Steph Curry's three-pointer that broke the all-time record. Got a poll question today. McLovin, give the results. Okay, uh, we put up, if you need a three to win a game, who do you go to? Steph, Ray Allen, Reggie Miller, Larry Bird, and we put in Robert Ory. Okay. Early leader, we just put it up, is Steph is right ahead of Ray Allen, but it's very early in the voting. All right. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at show. Baker Mayfield is tested positive for COVID-19, and so is his coach Kevin Stefanski, unless they produce two negative tests between now and Saturday. He's out versus the Raiders. Now, they play on Saturday. Raiders, Browns, 430 game on Saturday. So Baker Mayfield is tested positive. Unless he produces two negative tests between now and Saturday, he's out versus the Raiders. And most people covering sports don't want to talk about COVID. Support, uh, you know, sports are supposed to be this distraction. But, you know, 2020 was unavoidable. We had to talk about it. 2021, a little smoother. This week, though... Took a big step back. The NBA and NFL, this isn't crisis mode yet, but it's approaching that with the NBA. These teams are struggling across the country. And the recent trends have to be taken into account when you analyze these teams. How many players are vaccinated? How many people in health and safety protocol? And the direct impact on what's going to happen with the teams. Can they play? The leagues don't have a lot of flexibility in their rules. It's not... You know, uh, if a important uh, player will miss a game, uh, it's when it, it's happened. It happened to LeBron James. For the NFL, the COVID numbers, even more of an impact because the playoffs five weeks away. And hopefully we'll have something approaching an even playing field. But nobody wants to see a team lose because they had to start third stringers or because a top tier quarterback is out. But that's probably going to be the case as we navigate What is turning out to be a very difficult month? And here we are with Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski, both testing positive for COVID-19. And the Browns are seven and six. You can't afford an off week. But it feels like everybody is seven and six right now. You you start to look at the number of teams. You know, with four weeks to go, 12 teams already have improved their win totals from last season. The Bengals, they have three more than they did uh, in 2020, uh, Atlanta six and seven, Cincinnati seven and six, Denver seven and six, San Francisco seven and six. So they've all rebounded from last place finishes, and they enter Week 15 either in playoff position or well within reach when you consider what's gone on so far. And you have so much parity. You know, most teams with six or more wins through 14 weeks in NFL history. 2021 leads the way with 24. 24 teams with at least six wins through 14 weeks. Previous high was 2006 with 22. 1983 with 22. And you've got some teams that are starting to play a little bit better. You know, New England with seven consecutive wins. Kansas City has six. Miami has five. Tampa has four. You know, You're starting to see some of these teams who you expect to be good, be really good. And this is when you want to start peaking right now. You start now with a month to go in the season. 
getting players healthy. Who's who is doing this and they don't have healthy uh, players? They're some of their best players. Like Green Bay is going to get two of their better defenders back. And you get that for the stretch run. If you have home field advantage, then maybe it's a different outcome for them. You know, Tampa, what happens with Antonio Brown? We had Bruce Arians on yesterday. He said he'd probably make that decision tomorrow. They're going to keep Antonio Brown, getting some of their defensive backs healthy, ready for the stretch drive. You can start to look around, and here's Cleveland. Maybe without Baker Mayfield going into this game against the Raiders. All right, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. I did pose the question, just so you know, in case you see this on Twitter or somebody writes about it, I wondered if Steph Curry was good for the game of basketball. Now, not Steph. The fallout of Steph Curry and the way he plays. Because there's way too many players taking way too many threes who have no business taking threes. Watch a high school game. Watch a grade school game. Everybody thinks they're Steph Curry. Everybody wants to be Steph Curry. The results aren't the same. Your results may vary. But here is the moment last night, as heard on the Warriors radio network, where Steph Curry broke the NBA three-point record. Wiggins comes across, working on Fournier, up top to Curry, quick release, and splash! There it is! The best shooter the game has ever seen has cemented his legacy. No one has made more threes than Stephen Curry. And when you consider he has many more years in his career, he might be setting a record that may never be broken. What I loved is Wiggins had the assist to Steph Curry. Here's Draymond Green after the game talking about the assist that Wiggins had to Steph. Wiggins never passes out of that play. (laughs) Never. So, and if he does, to me, at the top of the key. So, which I then hit the three on in the the second half at the end, right? Like, that's the same play. But it never happens where Wiggins is hitting Steph on that play. And uh, I'm upset. (laughs) I love it. Steph is even surprised that Wiggins throws it to him. Because if you see it, it's like, oh. And then he backed up and then he took the shot. And Draymond Green's like, he never passes. And he's going to be the guy who gets the credit for the assist. He stole the assist from everybody. (laughs) (laughs) The all-time record. If you have been a follower of this show, you know that uh, my love for Steph Curry started at Davidson. And I tried to help out the Timberwolves back in 2009. When we had David Kahn, he was the Timberwolves general manager. And I had this to say to him on June 25th of 2009. I think you guys are going to, you're targeting Steph Curry for a variety of reasons. The kid can play, but he's also a box office draw for you. He's a household name in this draft. As you are young, you want people to come out. Validity to that? No, I think for You don't want Steph Curry? No, no, I'm not saying anything about any player, but let me talk about your concept because I disagree with it. I think for time immemorial... Now, you may be able, you're smarter than me, you may be able to figure other instances where this didn't, wasn't the case. But for time immemorial, I believe what draws fans is winning. I really believe that. And I don't believe, especially in today's world, with as many options as we all have, 
both to attend games, watch them, that people actually say, you know what, we're going to get our brains beaten out tonight, but I want to go see this guy. Because I don't think that draws people on a repetitive basis. Well, they decided to take Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn out of Syracuse. Now, they knew Flynn, and Flynn had a good tournament run. And they thought, okay, we're going to take two chances to get one point guard because Rubio wasn't going to play in the the NBA. He was still staying in Europe. And I just kept thinking, you have this, this kid who can play, and he's fun, and he's got a name, and nobody was watching Minnesota basketball. You, you have star power there. Now, did I know he was going to you know, evolve into this? No, but I did believe in him back then. And if you look at you know, the different draft profiles, everybody said the same thing about Steph Curry. You know, doesn't have a good first step, defensive liability, you know, physicality is not going to be able to stand up to that in the NBA. Probably will be a spot-up shooter. You know, maybe along the lines of uh, a Steve Kerr, Craig Hodges type. But he's evolved into more than just that. But out of necessity, he became the greatest three-point shooter and the greatest shooter in NBA history. He was already great. He already had form. He had pedigree with his father. But he started to back up further and further because you want to be able to get your shot off. And he's 6'2", not exceptionally quick. Uh, You probably wouldn't mistake in his handle for Kyrie Irving, but he had this ability to be able to create just enough. And he could beat you off the dribble. He could hit shots off balance. But he, out of necessity, became the greatest shooter in NBA history. And he continued to work at it. Because if you look at his first three years, he didn't become an All-Star until his fifth year in the NBA. I I mean, it's almost unheard of when you think about great players that you became an All-Star five years in. I mean, we have this in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers, but he didn't play at all. Steph was playing. There were concerns about ankle surgery. And was he going to have the physical, you know, did he have the body to be able to hold up to the physicality of the NBA? And the answer is, everybody thought, no. He was going to be a cute player, cute story. And then he became an assassin. He became far more than that. Won two MVPs. One was unanimous. He's got three titles. Might be the favorite for the MVP this year. But you're looking at a guy who is going to turn 34 later on this year. And if you start to do the math... And I know with the proliferation of three-point shooters, that we're like, oh, just a matter of time, somebody's going to pass him. Well, if you do the math here, I don't think so. Because James Harden's not going to catch him. I mean, Trey Young, maybe. Buddy Heald's had an incredible start, but he's 28, I think. He's going to turn 34. He's closing in on 3,000 made three-pointers. Let's say he gets 300. He averages about 320, I think, each season for his career. He's going to slow down. Let's say, but then he might just be a designated shooter, might not be a full-time point guard. He might be what Ray Allen was for the Celtics and certainly with the Miami Heat. Maybe he becomes a Robert Ory kind of player later in his career when he's 38. Let's say he ends up with 42 to 4,500 made threes you got to play a long time, you got to shoot a lot of threes, and you got to make a lot of threes. And that's why I don't think that anybody's going to beat this record. Now, there are a couple of records. John Stockton's assist record, 
That's not going to be broken. Kareem's is probably going to be broken by LeBron. If he gets close enough, he's going to stay. I thought all along he wanted to stay to be able to play in the NBA with his son. But as far as the all-time scoring record, LeBron certainly has that in his sights. Is somebody going to get to 700 touchdown passes? I, I, it sounds crazy to say it, but maybe. Maybe. Emmett Smith's rushing record, career rushing record of 18,000 seems pretty secure because you're just not going to run the way they used to. Now, the game may change. The NBA may change. Maybe there's... Can there be more three-point shooting? I guess. Is the NFL going to change? We're going to go back to, you know, dominant running games? Probably not. And if so, can you last as long as Emmett did? Yeah, Paulie. With Steph Curry, his numbers are actually up this year. He's averaging 13.4 threes attempted per game. That's quite high for him. That's his his uh, MVP year, yeah. he averaged 11 threes attempted. He is averaging five and a half threes made per game. His best in his career was 5.1. So he will break every career record. His percentage is a touchdown this year. Yeah. But his uh, volume is up. And, you know, that percentage, I don't know what's going to happen when Clay Thompson comes back. Does he get a few more open looks or is he passing up some of these threes and he's going to be able to pass to Clay Thompson? So that might affect it. But he once had, I think, four, 402 made threes in a season. Like nobody comes close to that. Even 300. How many players have made 300 three-pointers in a season? Because I'm going to guess five at the most, including Steph, if that. Yeah, Paul. In a season? Yes. Steph Curry had 402. Harden had 378. If you remove Steph Curry... Yeah. James Harden's the only other name on the list. Oh. Paul George is close. Buddy Heald's close. Clay Thompson's. They're all in the, like the 280s, yeah. two, 290s. But only Steph Curry and James Harden have hit That's... 300 or more threes in a year. Yeah. And James Harden is starting to come back to earth a little bit here. Yes, Seaton. Kind of feel bad for Johnny Flynn today. <laughs> Everybody's pointing to like, you know, he made 118 threes in his career. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. what did he do? All right, so he didn't work out. Well, it's a tough day for I'm going to guess David Kahn is not having a good day, the former GM. Doug Gottlieb probably not having a good day today. I think Dougie Fresh said that he <laughs> didn't think Steph was going to be. I, what was the, uh, what was the, he liked Johnny Flynn more than Steph Curry, didn't he? Yeah, he liked a few players more okay. than Steph Curry. Yeah. We'll get the exact quote. Yeah. That's what happens when you have hot takes. No. I'm the king of the lukewarm ones. You know? uh, yeah, McLovin. I got a hot guy to pass him. And I'm stealing it from you. Why don't you take a break? Yeah. I got a guy. We'll take a break. You got Dougie Fresh's uh, comments on stuff? Yeah, let's tease that too. All right. We'll, we'll come back with that. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Doug. I know Doug's listening. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, Rodney Harrison on loan from NBC Football Night in America will join us. He had a real problem with Urban Meyer post-game handshake with Mike Vrabel. We'll talk to Rodney coming up right after this Dan Patrick show. It is amazing. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically. No limit on how much you can earn, and that's amazing. Even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of the places in the United States taking credit cards take Discover. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing the word yes more often. Learn more 
Discover.com slash yes. That's discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations like talk. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. We'll hear from Aaron Rodgers coming up. Got our poll question. We'll talk to Rodney Harrison from Football Night in America in a moment. All right. uh, Revisiting Doug Gottlieb's comments about Steph Curry. Was this when Steph was coming out of college, going into the NBA? Yeah, he just declared for the draft out of Davidson. And uh, Dougie Fresh, Dougie Gottlieb said, quote uh, of Steph Curry, he doesn't have the upside of Ricky Rubio, Brandon Jennings, uh, Johnny Flynn, Mm. uh, Teague, all more athletic. Okay. McLevin, you have a young player to keep an eye on to break Steph Curry's all-time record. Uh, It's your guy. How about 20-year-old LaMelo Ball, who is on pace for about 233s this season? He's only 20, and he's coming into his shot. He has to take a step up as a shooter, though, right? Yeah. I don't know if he's going to be a great shooter. I think he's a streaky guy. I was wondering if the game changed where in eight years, everybody puts up 10 a game. Maybe that would help a guy like him. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, nobody's shy about putting up threes anymore. I mean, you know, the door's open. It's not like you go, man, you're shooting too many threes. I mean, there should be some people who are told that. There should be some guys who should be told, no, don't take it three. Rodney Harrison, NBC Football Night in America, analyst, two-time Super Bowl champ. It'll be the Saints versus the Buccaneers on NBC and Peacock coming up this Sunday night. Rodney, how are you, buddy? Happy birthday. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Good morning. How are you, man? I'm doing okay. Congratulations to your son who just committed to the Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, Following in your footsteps is a a defensive back. Yeah, it was a pretty special moment for my, you know, myself and my family, man, because, um, you know, think about this. When I came out, I had one scholarship offer. And that was Western Illinois University. And I have a son that has 20 Division I scholarship offers. And he ends up signing with um, University of Tennessee this morning. We are so excited and a lot of props to my wife. She's um, the one that really laid the foundation and supported and, and really brought him along. So props to, pop, props to moms for that. Why do you think you only got one scholarship offer? Um, I'm not sure, Dan. I was, I was an all-state player. I was, you know, went to a, a really uh, smart school. I had good grades and just not sure what happened. It, you know, but, you know, it's just really nice to see my son have, you know, put that work in and have choices. We spent a lot of time talking about Steph Curry, that that um, entertainer, you know, that you have to want to be an entertainer. There's certain athletes, it feels like that they embrace it more than others do. And and there's something about Steph Curry who loves those big moments, that spotlight. Uh, who else comes to mind? NFL. Did Brady, does Brady love the spotlight? Like, does he love being an entertainer? No, I don't think he loves being an entertainer. I think he loves competing. I think he's one of those guys that the bigger the moment is, that's when he tests his mental toughness and everything that he's made of. So he's not doing it for, you know, outside adulation or anything like that. He's doing it because he wants to win and he wants to be the best player for his teammates. But could you see, like Aaron Rodgers, does he strike you as an entertainer? All these guys, man, they know what they're doing. They they love it. They, they're competitive. They love the cheers from the fans. Of course, they don't want the boos. They love the competitiveness. 
So, yeah, all these guys, man, when you're in that spotlight, you understand that, you know, you're entertaining people, but at the same time, you're trying to win games. So I think those guys do both of them. I've been trying to caution people when they want to make a comparison with Micah Parsons and Lawrence Taylor. And I, I just say, slow down now, but can you see comparison? Is it fair to mention Micah Parsons in the same sentence with Lawrence Taylor? Not yet. Definitely not yet. I mean, this is a, a very talented kid and what he's been able to do as a rookie quarterback. I mean, rookie coming in, learning multiple positions, learning the intricacies of defensive end, linebacker, outside linebacker, and really raising the level of his teammates. You think about how he plays and, and um, you know, his teammates are flying around and really risen their games up to the level that he's playing with. But, yeah, be careful with Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor was an all-time great, and uh, Michael Parsons hadn't put in enough work to even be compared to him. I talked but, to definitely, but, definitely, but definitely an impact player like J.J. Watt when he came in. I talked to Bruce Arians yesterday, and he said that let's not make that mistake of putting Micah Parsons in that conversation. He said, to me, Lawrence Taylor is the greatest defensive player of all time. I agree 100%. I mean, what he's done is intimidation factor, but let's let's understand this too. This kid is a rookie. When you walk in as a rookie, your head is spinning. You're trying to figure out, okay, where's my locker and where are some of the simple <laughs> things? And the first game of the season, you know, we're out there, the kickoff game in September, and he's playing DN. He's playing, I'm like, this is the first game. He's all over the place. But when you talk to the kid, there's a level of humility. There's a level of just intelligence, and he just loves playing football. And Man, when you see him play, you can't tell me that sometimes you don't say, oh, my God, this kid is pretty special. And the fact that I think Dallas wanted to take a defensive back and the two really good defensive backs were taken before. So Micah Parsons kind, kind of falls into Dallas's lap because everybody said, well, you got linebackers and nobody's drafting a linebacker now because they're not they don't have the impact that they once did. And then you put him on the edge out of necessity and then you realize you know, we got like an Elvis Doomerville kind of guy that may be a little undersized, but man, he can get to the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, uh, for a guy to come in and a young guy to be able to impact the front seven the way he has. And really, if you're an offense, you don't know what to label him as. You don't know if he's an outside linebacker. You don't know where he's going to line up. The guy could play strong safety at a high level if he wanted to. He's dropping 30, 40 yards deep in the secondary. But a lot of props to him, man. It takes... It takes a special rookie mentally to be that mentally tough and that unselfish to want to play multiple positions. And, you know, a lot of guys want to play one position. I want to play one position, get comfortable at left corner. I don't want to move all over the place. I want to play one position. And he's come in, and to be that unselfish at that age is pretty special. Well, I wonder a guy like Jamal Adams. He's not a cover guy, but he's in the secondary. Like. Is that still a good move for Seattle, trading for Jamal Adams, giving up a couple of first-round picks? I mean, at the end of the day, Dan, Jamal Adams is a great player, but you have to play him the right way. And I was never a big fan of their defense overall. I mean, at one point last year, what, he had nine and a half sacks, and he was your best pass rusher. And there's things that he has to do. He has to do a better job of playing the deep, the deep passes in the deep part of the field, and he has to play better. But number one, the most important thing he has to do, he has to get healthy. He's out for the season. I think he had shoulder um, surgery. So he has to get back, get healthy, and they have to figure out what they're going to do as a defense. Well, I wonder what they're going to do offensively with Russell Wilson. If you're Russell Wilson, do you want to stay in Seattle? If I'm Russell Wilson, 
I don't think Russell Wilson wants to be in Seattle. Yeah. I think he wants a big, big market team. I think he wants to um, leave, and he keeps saying, you know, you know, the reports that he wanted out. Now he's talking about he wants to stay. I don't think he knows what he wants to do. But if I'm Russell, I'm getting out of C- Seattle because they're not going to win a Super Bowl anytime soon. We're talking to Rodney Harrison, who won two Super Bowls with the Patriots, and of course, analyst for Football Night in America. I find it interesting the uh, criticism of Patrick Mahomes. Like the defenses have caught up to Patrick Mahomes. He struggled a little bit or didn't put up the numbers that we've come to expect with Patrick Mahomes. So has the league caught up to Patrick Mahomes? I wouldn't say that. I would just say that, you know, there's adjustment periods as far as defense, no different than Josh Allen, you know, and teams are playing them different. They have more tape and they understand, Hey, we're going to force Patrick Mahomes to stay patient, to dink and dunk his way down the field. If he does that, like he did last week, they're going to have success with the defense playing so well, flying around. But if he doesn't and he gets greedy, he's going to continue to turn the ball over. So right now, I think this is just a period, an adjustment period for Patrick Mahomes. He's learning how to take his game to the next level. But let me tell you this, the two top teams, in my opinion, in AFC is definitely the Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs because of the experience and the coaching that they have, Dan. But then you got Mac Jones. Could you see a scenario, let's say Tom Brady was still the quarterback in New England, and you have that weather in Buffalo, and would Bill Belichick say, we're only going to throw it three times if he had Tom Brady as his quarterback instead of Mac Jones? Absolutely not. Absolutely okay. not. And I, I, I thought it was a, a, a brilliant game plan. You know you got a rookie quarterback. You know Buffalo Bills are soft defensively. They can't stop the run. So what do you do? You just pound it down their throat. And it's, they're not the only team that did it. You know, Tampa Bay did it last week. Just physical, make them stop the run and um, force them to be one dimensional offensively. And you got Buffalo. Uh, what did you think of Urban Meyer, Mike Vrabel handshake at the end of the game? Oh, I was livid. I was livid. You know, your players are looking at you to be a leader as a coach. It's not just X's and O's. And the way he handled that situation, Mike Vrabel is a very classy guy. You know, he should he deserves a lot more respect than what Urban Meyer showed him. This is not college. You're not coaching a bunch of college kids. You're dealing with multimillionaire athletes. You're dealing with coaches that have won, that have had a great deal of success. So the arrogance needs to go. And he has to understand that his players are looking at him and nobody respects that. Nobody respects that. I didn't respect that. You, you look at man in his eye and you shake his hand when he kicks your butt. OK, and it was just very disrespectful. And I didn't appreciate that from Urban Meyer. But this whole college mentality that he has, it just doesn't work in the NFL. You know, players. Not at all. Not at all, Dan. It's it's that arrogance, man. You know, and in the NFL, you got to understand you're dealing with a lot of rich dudes in that locker room. So when you walk in that locker room, nobody gives a crap about what you've done in college. You got to earn your respect in the National Football League. You got to put time in. You got to treat those guys like adults, like men. You can't come up in there and, you know, think you're Mr. This and Mr. That. No, it doesn't work like that. You have to prove yourself. Bill Belichick had to prove himself each himself each and every week to that team. And he does that. But also it helps when you have those Super Bowls. When you're you know, players are gonna say, I don't care what you did in college. What 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 have you done in the NFL? Is that a fair assessment of what the locker room is like? Absolutely. And that's why I say that's that's proven that you belong, you know, as our coach in the National Football League. Can you do what you did in college? Can you replicate that success on a national football level? And he has not been able to do that. But attitude is everything, man. And the way he's 
his body language, the way he's responding to the media, that's never a good thing. He's not being a good example. He's not being a leader. You look at a guy like Eric Bieniemy. Think about Eric Bieniemy as a former player, as a young guy that can come in there and work with a Trevor Lawrence, that can work with a Justin Fields. That's a guy. If if I'm if I own a team, I'm looking at okay, how can I help build build my program? How can I help build my young quarterback? I'm going to hire a guy, a young guy that knows that's worked with Patrick Mahomes that can come in directly and influence our locker room in a positive way. And that guy's Eric Bannaby. It's not Urban Meyer. You took part in a man in the arena, the Brady documentary. Uh, any surprise questions in uh, when you were interviewed for that? It wasn't really any surprises. I think more so than anything, I, I, I learned a lot and you forget about certain moments. You forget about really certain special moments, man. And it just showed how much of a team we were and how unselfish Tom was and how much of a leader he was and just how good he had it around him. He had some great, great football players around him. And Tom is one of those guys. He recognizes that. He's always um, made that the forefront, giving his teammates credit. And I just thought it was an excellent piece. Well done, man. And, and props out to Mike Vrabel and Teddy Bruschi and all the guys that participated in it. It was fantastic. Well, congrats. It's your birthday. Your son signs with Tennessee football. <laughs> That's not bad, Rod. Amen, brother, Dan. I, I appreciate it, man. God is good. Thank you, Dan. How emotional are you going to be at – a football game where your son's out there in college. It's it's pretty emotional with my son on a high school football field, you know, because <laughs> you know you're hoping and praying that nothing happens, and every single play you're jumping out your seat, um, you know, hoping he makes a play, he doesn't get beat. But it's 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 exciting, man. I'm I can't wait, can't wait. You got to come down and catch a game with me, man. Does he play like you? He's long, man. He's long. He's athletic. He's fast. Oh, so he's not um, like you. He's he's the, no. He's he's he, he's built up different than me. He's he's a better athlete than me. But um, he's a smart player. He's good instincts. He's different. He's not as physical as me, but he's physical. Do you want him to hit like you hit? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I want him to keep his money, and I don't want him to get 20 concussions. <laughs> uh, congrats, Rod, and uh, my best to the family, buddy. Hey, all the best to you as well, Dan, and your family. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. That's Rodney Harrison, Football Night in America. Yeah, if his son hits like Rodney did, yeah. and you get to the NFL, that's going to cost you some money. Yes, Eden. Ronnie told this one story about why he decided to uh, sign with the Patriots. And he said that uh, he sat down in Bill Belichick's office and Belichick was like, I remember this one time in warmups when we played you at the Chargers and you were knocking your teammates head off. He was like, you knocked their helmet off. And he was like, I remember that. And that Rodney said, man, anybody paying attention to that level of detail in warmups, I want to play for that dude. And plus, Rodney would knock himself out on kickoffs. Like he would hit somebody so hard that he got knocked out. And he had one scholarship offer. And his son, I think he's a three-star recruit, but he had you know, 20, 20 scholarships there. Uh, we'll come back. We'll get to phone calls here. We'll see if we stay with the poll question. Uh, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Today, final day for shipping. If you buy anything on danpatrick.com and you want it in time for the holidays next week, you have to make the order today, okay? All right, we'll back after this in the Dan Patrick Show. 
How about a gift that you give to yourself, but you give it to somebody else? Masterclass offers exclusive classes on a wide variety of topics, all taught by world-class masters at the top of their fields. You want to learn how to cook? You can learn from Gordon Ramsay. Learn how to sing. Mariah Carey has a class. How about movie making? Martin Scorsese. Over 100 classes from a range of world-class instructors. Now, there's probably around 20 lessons per class, and they last about 10 minutes per lesson. They fit into your schedule. You explore at your own pace. Lessons available anytime, anywhere. Your phone, computer, tablet, smart TV, or just listen with the audio mode. Downloadable materials, workbooks, exercises, recipes, depending on the class. And I said, you get a gift for yourself. This holiday, give one annual membership, and then you get one free. Go to masterclass.com slash Patrick today. That's masterclass.com slash Patrick. Terms do apply. You can find all the classes, including the new classes, on masterclass.com. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, it's Ben, host of the Fifth Hour with Ben Maller, along with my trusty sidekick, David Gascon. Would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is the Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of the Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to the Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, podcast or wherever you get your podcast i realize sometimes that we live in a world of make-believe when it comes to sports because we have to make you believe in something we have to hype something we have to be like oh aaron Rodgers makes a strong statement on his future i'm like okay aaron Rodgers, his future in green bay okay it's called a tease in the business so you go all right and, and a lot of times you don't get the payoff with the tease. It's rare when you go, man, we underhype that. So here's Aaron Rodgers on Pat McAfee's show yesterday talking about his future. Look, it's going to be one of the questions for sure moving forward as we get late in the season. I understand that. And uh, I got a question after the game if it was my last time playing against the Bears. And yeah, I haven't thought about that a whole lot. I really haven't. I think when you're a creature of habit during the season, you, you, your focus uh, definitely narrows. But at some point, there'll be obviously time to reflect on that and to think about uh, the season. But I think that's, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks away. Don't know if that's breaking news or a strong statement on his future. I think it sounds like somebody who is going to take his time and probably won't have to make a decision until maybe after February. But as far as what he's going to do, he's not going to give any hints now. I mean, I'm thinking about his immediate future. Is he going to sit down a game? And he said to McAfee that he wasn't. He's planning on playing these final four games. But let's go to our insider, Jimmy Jimerson, to get his take on Aaron Rodgers with that strong statement on the Pat McAfee show. Well, that's what Aaron's trying to figure out right now. Okay, right now he is a Green Bay Packer. Now, will he be next season? That's the question he's asking himself. Thank you. That's Jimmy Jimerson, our resident insider. Okay, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers, okay? (laughs) Okay, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) That's my favorite. I don't know okay. what that means when, you know, you'll hear an analyst or an insider, and all they do is just repeat the same thing a couple of times. Okay. that's We're talking about Aaron <laughs> Rodgers here, okay? Do people realize that? 
Yeah, Paul. Yeah, uh, as you all know, Jimmy Jimerson is the composite of some different NFL reporters. <laughs> yeah. C and I sit here all day, and once in a while there will be a, a Jimerson-esque reporter on the air, and he and I just go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you put people on TV, you expect them to say something. And some, sometimes they give the appearance they are saying something when they're not. They're just going, let me just repeat a couple of things, like, catchphrases in here that'll throw you off okay is jordan love the future okay that's what the packers are wondering right now they're trying to figure that out right now uh green bay will be at baltimore coming up this weekend new england at indianapolis i was looking at some numbers on the patriots the patriots in the last five games have allowed three second half points New England's giving up 15 points per game this season. That leads the league. Also third in yards allowed per game. It's a good defense. It doesn't get a lot of credit. There's not a lot of star power. Matthew Judon has 12 and a half sacks right now. But this feels like, this feels more like a Bill Belichick team certainly than last year did. Although I thought he did a really good job last year, given you had a lot of guys who opted out. Didn't want to play. You had below average quarterback play. Now you can say Bill didn't prepare for this moment when Brady left, that you thought that maybe you could have Cam Newton come in and play consistently, which Cam is, this is the quarterback he's been for a while and is going to continue to be. He can't throw. He's not consistent enough, but he can still run. Fascinated watching Cam Newton, but I, I wouldn't want him to be my starting quarterback because he'd drive me crazy. But Belichick has got a quarterback, fits into the system, listens to what Josh McDaniels has to say. He's he, They're programming him. This is what you do. This is how you do it. This is when you do it. Even when you listen to him at the press conferences, he's already been indoctrinated. They put an IV, the Patriot way, into him. And he you're going, wait, this guy used to have fun. When he first got there, he was colorful, had said some fun quotes. Now it's, well, we take it one game at a time, and, uh, you know, they're a quality opponent, and, you know, we just hope that uh, we can come out on top. Like, huh? Who is this? So New England will be at Indianapolis, and uh, Kansas City will be at the Chargers. That's tomorrow night. Washington will be at Philadelphia. New Orleans will be at Tampa Bay. That'll be Sunday night on NBC. And when you think about this, Tom Brady, when he got to Tampa last year, he is now 20-5 and five against the rest of the league. He's 0-3 against the Saints. Saints have won by 11-35 and 35 last year, then won by 9 when Trevor Simeon was the quarterback. This is a 6-17, and 17, and this is their most important game of the season. Was that stat of the day or something? I mean, you can look like you're hesitating on the button. I just don't want to interrupt you. You're on a roll. No, I'm good. I'm done. <laughs> stat of the day, stat of the day. Stat of the day, stat of the day. Here comes that what? stat of the day. <laughs> uh, a shot just now. Yeah. There's a little bit of a shot. Big gulp. <laughs> the big gulp from Todd. Big gulp. Are you going to bring that up when you go to the doctor's office today? I probably will. Okay. 
Do you think that there's something wrong with you, with your breathing, your delivery? I don't think so. I have sleep apnea, so that could be tied into that. But uh, I don't think he's going to send me to an ear, nose, or throat specialist. I think it has to do with talking too fast and, you know, needing to take a breath and things like that, as opposed to it being an actual thing that has to be removed or treated or something. No, I, I just think it's you try to say everything in one breath, and then you think that there's a time frame on, if I don't get this out, then he's going to cut me off. And then I'm just going to say everything. Now, that is right. Yeah, or I'm going to forget. <laughs> or I'm going to lose my train of thought. There's a, a lot of things going on, which leads to me talking very quickly. Yeah. And then you always go like this, and then you're up here like this, and then you're going, and then you just start, and then the air goes out of the balloon, and then you just go, <laughs> and then you're done. What a horrific <laughs> noise. I know. It's like the air is going out of the balloon, and then there's no more air. <laughs> And someone's about to have breakfast or lunch and yeah, they're getting ready. They're all people. excited about their sandwich and they hear yeah. that noise. Yes, Paulie. When Todd said he probably will tell his doctor about this, that means he's not, not going to. Probably will. Mean- you lie to your doctor. Well, if he says, like, how many days a week are you exercising? And I know he's hoping I'll say at least three. I'm just, you know, I'm a pleaser. You know, it's, it's, it's more about pleasing the doctor than giving them actual factual information. I know, information. But, but your doctor. I know it's to my detriment. Yes. He thinks I'm working out four days a week when I'm, yeah, on every other Saturday I'll go to, on the treadmill. Why, why do you go to the doctor if you're not going to be honest with the doctor? I just want to get out of there with peace of mind that everything's okay. And if it means, you know, but it's not. the facts. Are you sleeping good? Yeah, I get like eight hours a day. I don't stress about anything. I'm having like lettuce. Uh, Everything's good. Can I leave now? Because I don't want to have this on my head the whole, you know, Christmas vacation of like, what do you mean? Like triglycerides are up or I should get that thing on my toe checked. I don't you know, go for that X-ray. No one wants yeah, a lot of people don't go to doctors ever until something's seriously wrong with them because of the fear that they're going to be told something's wrong with them. That's just a fact. I go to the doctor too much because I need constant reassurance. Which I'm sure you're shocked to hear that, that everything's but okay. But you're not telling him the truth. I and then you're going to get done with the doctor's office and you're going to stop and get a Jersey Mike sub. And I'll drive home and I'm like, should I have told him? Maybe I should have mentioned those dizzy spells that I get. Like, you know, when I get up too fast from the chair, probably should have told him about that. And never mind. I'm already going home now. Uh, all right, Todd. Well, good luck at the doctor's office. Uh, with the Jersey Mike sub, you know, you get the extra the juice. They, they squirt the, uh, no, I got the juice I got on there. I got now, that's probably not great for you, but I love that. Uh, Andrew in Washington. Hi, Andrew. What's on your mind today? Once again, Baker Mayfield has tested positive along with his coach, Kevin Stefanski, and they have to produce two negative tests between now and Saturday. That game, Browns Raiders, is Saturday. And if he doesn't get the two negative tests, then he won't be playing. Uh, Andrew, what's on your mind? Hey, good morning, Dan and guys. How are you guys? Great. Excellent. Hey, just got a uh, quick limerick here. First time trying this, so let's see how it goes. All righty. Curry chasing Allen is all done. Watching the record get broken was fun. As the crowd rose and shouted, Curry was never doubted. And we still wonder how Mario airballed one. <laughs> all right. I did like the little <laughs> to start. See what you started? You proud of yourself? Yeah, I am. I know you are. Chris in Pennsylvania. Hi, Chris. Ah, 5'10", 185. Too much of it in the gut. Hey, your argument about Steph, that's that's an old argument. In baseball, you know, Babe Ruth ruined baseball. That argument continues through today. Well, I don't think too many people could imitate Babe Ruth because Babe was... But they all, everybody started trying to hit homers is the point. And oh. everybody either swings for the fences or strikes out now. Well, that's different. They're not trying to emulate Babe Ruth now. 
I mean, <laughs> it wasn't like they went, hey, after 90 years, we're going to try to be like Babe Ruth. That's not the case. Um, and, and it's not like baseball became obsessed with home runs. I mean, look at the batting averages back then. Guys were batting over 400 back then. It wasn't guys batting, you know, 220. Yeah, McLevin. Could you argue like a Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa made too many young players uppercut or something similar, kind of like the home run did no, become no. big? <laughs> they, they, they made players use steroids. Yeah. <laughs> Get paid. That's what they did. Hey, you know, your, your, your uppercut. No, it's like, no, screw the uppercut. And just take steroids. It'll go. All right, two hours in the books, one more to go. Dan Patrick show one more item. We close that hour to the exclusive trading card partner of the National Football League is Panini America, utilizing iconic brands like Donruss, Prism, Contenders, National Treasures and more. And what you're going to get is instant classic trading cards of the most popular players. Mac Jones, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers and so many more hottest rookies, biggest superstars, the all time greats. One place to collect them all. Panini trading cards. Autograph cards, memorabilia cards, rare inserts, hottest rookie cards. There's something for everyone in Panini America packs. But they're more than just the NFL because Panini is the exclusive home for NBA, UFC, NASCAR, and collegiate trading cards. Some of the matchups for Week 15, Justin Herbert versus Patrick Mahomes. Mac Jones visits Indy to face Jonathan Taylor and the Colts. Packers with Aaron Rodgers tackle Lamar Jackson. Start or continue your collection now. Go to PaniniAmerica.net. The official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show.